Welcome everyone to the Grinded Podcast. Nipsey Hussle is going to bring us in just a little bit with Grinding All My Life. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle paid the price. Want a slice, got the roll of dice, that's why. All my life, I've been grinding all my life. Look. It's time to hit this rail we call life and grind it. In the last podcast, I left off by uh, talking about how we are to be like Jesus. And Jesus gave us, gave us the perfect example on how to treat people that hurt us deeply. And I used the example of Judas and how Jesus washed his feet that night that he was about to go off and betray him. And he was fixing to go and suffer a very horrific death and torture on the cross and be hung for on, uh, to be a, a public display of humiliation for six hours before he would uh, cry out to the Father and give up, give up the ghost or to, to pass away. And the night that Judas betrayed him and he brought that army, uh, a little army of people in to arrest Jesus, and he kisses Jesus on the cheek to signal to those people to come and arrest this man, the one that I kiss. And when Judas kissed Jesus, that was the perfect opportunity for Jesus to get mad, angry, whatever he wanted to do, and go off on Judas. But not one time do we know of that G- Jesus ever chastised publicly Judas for uh, taking money out of the, the, the disciples' back. He was stealing money. Uh he washed his feet. He never publicly chastised him for betraying him because Jesus knew the whole time that Judas was going to betray him and he picked him to be one of the 12. And so there in the garden, Jesus just looks at Judas and he called him friend. He, I mean, it's the greatest example of grace and mercy and compassion and long suffering that, that, that the Bible can give, I guess. And we are called to be the fragrance of Christ. We are called to be Christ. We are clothed with Christ if we've been washed in the blood of Jesus and the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And, and when, our, when somebody that is close to us that claims that they love us and, and they do something so bad and it hurts us so deep, it's, it's easy to become filled with anger and, and bitterness and all those things that go along with those feelings. And we hold grudges and we shut them out of our lives, maybe to protect ourselves or whatever reason. And and we don't want to have anything to do with those people. But that's not Jesus. We, we have to be full of grace and mercy and compassion, you know, and, and not get on Facebook. You know, I've, I've, I've done it. I'm guilty. And people, you know, my friends have called me out on it and told me to stay off social media, you know, with, with, with what I'm dealing with. You know, it's not good. And, and so... I just want to reiterate before we move on that we are to be like Jesus and we are to show compassion. We are to show love. And we are to show grace and you know, the fruits of the Spirit. And, and it's easy to say, well, I'm not Jesus. I, you know, I'm human and, and I'm hurting. And I get that. Been there and I've done that. Um, but you are Jesus. You may be the only Jesus that, that, that somebody will ever see or know. And... You don't want your actions to turn off somebody from Jesus. That's not good. So 
Pray about it. Ask God to help you deal with the situation that's at hand. Be forgiving and decide you're going to be forgiving each and every day. And climb that mountain and, and remember the beauty that is on the other side of that mountain. Um, forgive and have compassion. But I want to move on and, uh, here and we'll finish John chapter 12 today in this podcast. But one thing that I've learned in my many years of being in ministry and mostly working with smaller churches and that's why, I mean, I've worked with churches uh, that had five people in it to 200 people. Uh, worked with a church plant uh, at, at one point in time. Um, one thing that I learned work, working in churches and being a, a, a preacher was that you don't mess with somebody's power. You don't mess with a person's power. It can be a certain individual. It could be a certain family that basically runs the church and if they feel like their position of power is being threatened well they, they can make your life miserable as a church leader they can they can really uh make your family's life uh miserable because they feel like they own you and they feel like they can control you and in my opinion this is my opinion this is why we don't see churches grow because of this certain individual this certain family and the church, uh, they won't allow growth because if, if growth happens, you can outgrow their power and, and they'll lose their power. And they don't want that. Now, they'll say they want it and they'll you'll hear them pray, God, you know, bless us, help us grow, blah, blah, blah. Because I, 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 I can go back to a, a church that I worked with in the past as a youth minister and, and this guy will be praying and he, and he was an elder in the church, and I was and the whole time he'd be praying, I'd say, Lord, he doesn't mean that. He doesn't mean that. He doesn't mean anything that he's saying. And it was proof. You could look at the fruit, and and <clears throat> I don't understand why people are like this, but they are, and that's the sad thing about it. They love the power. Um, as I mentioned in the previous podcast, and it, uh, it that Lazarus. The raising of Lazarus, it changed the way Jesus did public ministry. In fact, he 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 almost disappeared from public ministry um, because this event it triggered the religious leaders to start plotting how they're going to kill him. And as I discussed many times in these podcasts, John just brings it out over and over and over again how the religious leaders they 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 hated Jesus and they wanted him gone. And you know I really don't understand why, but. Well, I do know why. It's because they loved the praises of the people. And the people had turned from them to Jesus. So in other words, they were losing their power. They were losing their control. They were losing their recognition. And they didn't like it. And so they wanted Jesus gone. And when Jesus raised Lazarus on that, after he'd been in that tomb for four days, and, and everybody knew it, and there was no denying what Jesus had done, they said, this guy, this guy's got to go. But get this. When I was studying for this podcast, in John chapter 12, verses 9 through 11, John mentioned something here that I really haven't paid attention to before. And I've been studying the Bible for a long time. But listen to this, what John says. He says, When all the people heard of Jesus' arrival, they flocked to see him 
and also to see Lazarus. And this, this is when Jesus came into Bethany, when he was being honored by Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They cooked him a meal to honor him and what he had done, I guess, for uh, raising Lazarus. And Mary was going to uh, pour that uh, nard over his feet and prepare him for burial. So John says, when all the people heard of Jesus' arrival, and they flocked to see him, also to see Lazarus, the man Jesus had raised from the dead. Verse 10, then the leading priest decided to kill Lazarus too. For it was because of him that many of the people had deserted them and believed in Jesus. Not only did they want to kill Jesus and get rid of the Messiah, God in the flesh, they wanted to get rid of Lazarus. They started plotting his death. Lazarus had nothing to do with this. He was dead. He had been dead for four days. He couldn't stop from dying. He died. And he was put in this tomb. The stone was rolled in place. And he was dead for four days. He was laying in there dead. He had nothing to do with this. Jesus comes along and calls him out of the tomb. And he has to be obedient. He comes back to life. And he they roll the stone away. And Lazarus comes walking out. Mummified or whatever. You know, with his grave clothes on. And they had to get the grave clothes off of him. Lazarus had nothing to do with it. But people were flocking to see Jesus. And they were also flocking to see Lazarus. Because here is a man who had been dead for four days, and now he's alive. And, he's, and, and John specifically points out, this dead man is back at home with his family, and he's eating meals. You know, these religious people, they were supposed to be showing God and be the example of God. They didn't care about... You look at the way Jesus treated people. with The, the greatest love that anybody could ever give. Compassion, mercy, full of grace. All, just name all kinds of stuff, how Jesus treated people. Not the religious leaders. They would pray a certain prayer over and over again, and the people would praise them, and they, you know, they thought they were higher or better than the people. They dressed so they could look different than the ordinary person, not Jesus. Jesus dressed like any other man dressed, and he he lived like any other man lived. He never separated himself. And that, that's one of the reasons why they had so much trouble believing that he was the Messiah, because they were looking for this mighty warrior who was going to deliver them from the Roman Empire. But these religious leaders, they didn't care about Lazarus. They didn't care about Mary and Martha. They didn't care about Lazarus's family. They they did not care. They 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 would just assume that he would have stayed in the tomb for until Jesus came back, because they had lost their power. the 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 praises that they were getting from the people are now going to Jesus, and is now going to Lazarus. They, they didn't care about Lazarus' family and how they felt that they had lost a brother, a loved one. They wanted this dude gone. And so they, they're going to start plotting the death of Jesus and Lazarus. And that includes the preachers, the priests. They wanted to kill him. Here, here's my point. Jealousy, anger, bitterness, hate, Stuff like that has no place in the life of a believer. 
and it especially doesn't have a place in church leadership. And I, I see it far too often. I've seen elders just go at one another, hated each other. And I mean hated each other. And they, they didn't mind letting you know it or each other know it. And, I, you know, it, it, it's sad that the stuff like that goes on. And a lot of people don't even know that that stuff exists in churches, but it's sad that it actually does. And it's sad that there is a certain, you can walk into any church and ask them what family runs the church. And you, you, or if you just visit there a few times, you'll find out real fast who's in charge of the church. I, 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 I picked this up real quick. The person who hires you is going to be the person that fires you. Uh, and that, that's, it's, it's terrible. It, it's that way. But, but it is. And if you are in a church and you are trying to control that church, just so you can have a position of power, I pray that you turn loose and let the church be the church. It's not your church. You did not die for the church. Jesus died for that church. Jesus died for the church. And God's Spirit wants to allow it to grow. And people want to be saved. And people want to worship and praise the Lord. But they can't when you're trying to make all the decisions when you have no business making any decision. So I pray that if that is you, that the Holy Spirit convicts you and that you step out of the way and let God do His thing. And here's another thing too, kind of along the same lines. I've heard people say, I'm not going to church because it's full of hypocrites. Everybody in the church is a hypocrite, including myself. And here's what I mean by that. A hypocrite comes from the Greek plays, hypocrite, which means the men played all the roles, including women, and they would wear a mask. And everybody in the audience knew that that was a man behind the mask, but they were playing the role of a woman. And so bottom line is they're playing somebody that they're not. Just because a person is washed in the blood of Jesus does not mean that that person is going to make a, uh, not make mistakes. I've been a Christian since my sister led me to the Lord when I was 11 years old. I'm 38. So that's a long time. I still make mistakes daily. I still make bad choices. I still sin. Nobody, there's one perfect person, one, that's ever walked the face of this earth, and that's Jesus. Everybody else is a dirty, rotten sinner. The only difference is there's saved sinners and there's lost sinners. It's not that the church is full of hypocrites. We're trying to be like Jesus, but we fail miserably. And you can give a big old hearty fat amen to that. That'd be fine with me. Because I'm, you know, Paul, the man who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, said that he was the chief of sinners. So yes, the church is full of hypocrites. But don't let that be an excuse for you not to go and assemble with the saints. Because the, the reason why we assemble together, it, and it doesn't matter where you assemble, it doesn't have to be at a church building. It, it could be at the park. It, it, it could be at somebody's house. Because just to be honest with you, they didn't even have church buildings in the, in the New Testament. They, 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 they met in people's homes. They met at the temple. 
They would meet when the church started getting big. They would meet somewhere where they could, you know, a, a large gathering could could gather together. But let me share with you Hebrews ten twenty three to twenty five. It says, "Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God cannot be, for God can be trusted to keep His promise." Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of His return is drawing near. That's why we assemble together with people that have been called out, the ecclesia, the church, washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. And so that we can be encouraged because life is hard. With or without Jesus, life is hard. Even with Jesus, it gets harder because Satan comes against us. And so we need encouraging. And that's why we come together. We assemble together with people of like faith. Other people who are washing the blood of Jesus Christ. Because we need that love and that encouragement to keep going. Let's take a break. We'll come back. My name is Dinah Grace Hawk, and I started a movement of empowerment. I focus on Revelation 12:11, which states that we will overcome, conquer, and defeat him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And we will not love our own lives, even unto death. See, sharing testimony squashes pride. It empowers, it strengthens, it encourages, and it heals. This whole movement is focused on sharing our testimony, our walk with the Lord, how He's using us in this life to empower others to do the same. By doing this, we will overcome anything that this world can throw at us because we are covered by the blood of the Lamb. Every week from now till the end of the year, I'll be highlighting a different woman in the ministry and they're going to share their testimony. Tune in every Saturday at 7 p.m. Eastern, either on Facebook or Instagram at Dinah Grace Hawk. And you get to be a part of this movement, too. I'll see you there. So the Hebrew author, he's, he starts off in Hebrews 10, 23. He says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us hold tightly. Look, we get tired. You get tired, I get tired, especially uh, now that I'm 48 years old and not 18 or 8. When I was a kid, I could go and go and go and go until I just, I guess that's why I was in the bed by 10 o'clock every night, because I I would go. I mean, I I was a semi-professional skateboarder as a teenager in West Tennessee. I skated all over my hometown. You would see me and my friends, we, we, we skated it all through town downtown we found curbs we we found steps we skated all over to the schools we skated all the way across town downtown anywhere that we could find a skate spot we and it was it was from the time the sun came up to the time the sun went down i i, I mean i i was very active i played sports i played baseball peewee football i just was so active but i got tired and now that I'm 48 and I work and my daughter's involved in sports, uh, uh, do all kinds, of, I'm on a worship team, uh, there's practice, there's all, there's all kinds of things that, that I'm involved with still. But the thing is, I get tired. I, I never took naps. When I was a kid, never Took nap. When I was uh, starting getting to adulthood, I never took naps. When I, I had my three back surgeries, I don't know, 
10 years ago-ish, 12 years ago, something like that. And after I had those back surgeries, because I was, I was always one of those, you know, you hear people say when you're 40, you slow down. And I said, I'll never, ever slow down, not at the age of 40. But when I, when I had those back surgeries, guess what? I slowed down. In fact, I started taking naps. And that's something I never did. And now it's something I love to do. I love to turn on the TV. Uh, depending on what day it is, I duck dynasty's on. I turn it on, go to sleep. Uh, football game's on, turn it on. Guess what? I sit in a recliner, I go to sleep. I get tired very easy. And this is what the Hebrew author is saying. Let us hold tightly without wavering. Well, guess what? Fighting the devil, it's a war. We're in a war. Ephesians chapter 6, that's why God tells us to put on his armor. And 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 when we get tired, just to stand. And, and so we're we're fighting a, a spiritual battle each and every day. And it wears you out. I mean, preachers, missionaries, God bless you for what you're doing. Uh, I pray for you a lot. And... I know the battle that you face each and every day, and a lot of people don't understand it, but but I do, and others do, and it it wears you out. Your families, I know, and and being a Christian in general wears you out spiritually, and so it it it's easy to waver. It's easy to have a tight grip. But it's easy to get tired and our grip starts to slip. And that's why we come together. That's why we assemble together so that we could reaffirm that grip and reaffirm that tight grip and to hold on to that hope that the Hebrew author is talking about here. Because we have to be reminded that God keeps his promise. Because let's be honest, the devil comes along and, and he tries to convince us that, hey, where's God in this? Why is God letting this happen to you? I thought he kept his promises. I thought his promises are yes and amen. Well, why ain't he come through for you? And, and, and all of a sudden we begin to waver. And that, that tight grip becomes loose. And if we're not careful, we stop meeting with the saints. We, st- we stop meeting with our brothers and sisters. And the next thing you know, we don't have a grip at all. We've lost grip totally. And we have wavered so much that Christ has become so dim and non-existent. And so he says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Well, look, the day that that guy wrote that, or whoever wrote that, because we don't know who the author is of the book of Hebrews, But it's been a long time since they wrote that passage. So the coming of Jesus is a whole lot more near now, today, than it was when he penned this letter or when this person penned this letter. And so I can say the same thing. He's saying the same thing to us today. The reason why we assemble together is to keep going, to draw encouragement from people who battle in in the battle as we do. We're to encourage them and to help them, and they're to encourage us and help us. So, get your focus off of people. 
Don't let other people discourage you from serving the Lord. Don't let other people and what they're doing and the decisions they're making and the power that they're trying to keep, don't let those type of people keep you from assembling with the saints, no matter where that's at. Assemble and be encouraged so that you can hold tight without wavering to the hope that we affirm. So, People get wind that Jesus is at Bethany and they flock to see him, right? And they hear that he's about to be on his way to Jerusalem. So as he's coming into Jerusalem, they take these palm tree branches and they wave them and they're saying things like, praise God, blessing on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the king of Israel as he was passing by riding on this donkey, which uh, was it fulfilled a prophecy from Zechariah 9.9. 9 which says, Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. But I want to share all of Zechariah chapter 9 with you. I I, I want you to hear this passage, and I'll comment on it here in just a bit. But listen to Zechariah Chapter 9, he says, Rejoice, O people of Zion, that's Jerusalem. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He, he is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. I will remove the battle chariots from Israel and war horses from Jerusalem. I will destroy all the weapons used in battle, and your king will bring peace. To the nations. His realm was stretched from sea to sea and from the Euphrates River to the ends of the earth. Now, if, when they're reading, they had these words. They, they had the, what the prophet said about the Messiah. They would hear that. No wonder it, they would be expecting the Messiah to be this great warrior. Because listen to what Zechariah is saying here. I'm going to, God is saying, I'm going to remove the, the, the battle chariots from Israel and the war horses from Jerusalem. I'm going to destroy all the weapons used in battle. And your king's going to bring peace to the nations. And then he says, because of the covenant I made with you sealed with blood, I will free your prisoners from death in a waterless dungeon. Come back to the place of safety, all you prisoners who still have hope. I promise this very day that I will repay two blessings for each of your troubles. Judah is my bow and Israel is my arrow. Jerusalem is my sword and like a warrior, I will brandish it against the Greeks. The Lord will appear above his people. His arrows will fly like lightning. The sovereign Lord will sound the ram's horn and attack like a whirlwind from the southern desert. The Lord of heaven's armies will protect his people and they will defeat their enemies by hurling great stones. They will shout in battle as though drunk with wine. They will be filled with blood like a bowl, drenched with blood like the corners of the altar. On that day, the Lord their God will rescue his people just as a shepherd rescues his sheep. Hello, John chapter uh, 10. We just went through that. The sheep without a shepherd or Jesus is the shepherd. On that day, the Lord their God will rescue his people just as the shepherd rescues his sheep. They will sparkle in his land like jewels in a crown. How wonderful and beautiful they will be. The young men will thrive on ab- abundant grain and the young women 
will flourish on new wine. The reason I share these verses with you is to give you a glimpse of what the religious leaders knew. This is just a a sample of over 300 prophecies about the Messiah, and Jesus fulfilled every single one of them, and yet they rejected him. It's mind-blowing. But like I said, I can kind of understand it because they were, you read this passage, and this is just one passage in Zechariah 9, 9 through 17. And it it sounds like, you know, there's going to be this mighty warrior showing up and he's throwing out bolts of lightning as weapons and and swords. But we know from the book of Revelation that Jesus' word was a sword. And we know Hebrews 4.12 the, the Word of God is a, is a two-edged sword. It's powerful. It cuts deep, man. It cuts way deep. But Jesus comes along, and He's not dressed in fancy clothes. He's not dressed in military clothes. He's, he's just your ordinary, everyday person. He's dressed like any other man. He didn't use any weapons. And He, in their minds, the, the, the Jews' mind, He allowed the Romans to win as He was crucified. And John points out that even, the, even the, his disciples didn't realize a prophecy was being fulfilled here in verse 17. And like I said earlier in the podcast, after the resurrection, they're asking Jesus, are you now going to restore uh, the power to Israel in, in Acts chapter 1? But here's what I want to remind you of before we go. Jesus was a warrior. He was a mighty warrior. He took on Satan and defeated him. He took on death and defeated death. He took on hell and the grave, and and he's got the keys. He come out victorious on that third day. His weapon was his word. How did he defeat Satan in the desert when he was led out by the, the, the Spirit to be tested? He used the word of God. And here's the awesome thing about it. If we have accepted him as our Lord and Savior, then we win. We are the victors. He has already won the battle for us. All we have to do is stay faithful. Follow Him. Listen to Him. And do what He says. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I pray that your eyes would be open, that your heart would be open, and that the Spirit of God would convict you of your sin and that you would be obedient and that you would allow God to work in your life. May God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Grind It Podcast today. You can send any questions or comments to grinditpodcast at gmail.com. Please join us next time. And when a challenge comes your way, just grind it. Been grinding all my life. Sacrifice. Hustle paid the price. Want a slice. Got to roll the dice, that's why all my life I've been grinding all my life, all my life, been grinding all my life.